It's Cheesehead in Chicagoland. It's the best podcast about the Green Bay Packers. I am Mike Fleischman. We are coming to you live from the beautiful South Side Estate that I call home. Joining me today, as always, it's Matt Melamsetter. Hey, man. Hey. Uh, middle of the middle of the off season. I'm getting a warning sign from Adobe Audition right now. Uh oh. I'm going to click. What does it say? No, it says the the audio options have changed. Oh no. I think my Bluetooth speaker disconnected itself. Ah. Because we're still we've still got levels. Yeah. This cool. Is a good intro to the podcast. Yeah. No. Right welcome now. to our podcast. We're figuring out Audition live on air today. Right now it's happening. Yeah. Uh, podcast about the Green Bay Packers. It's early April right now. It's April 4th. Hey, Mike, I have a question quick. Yeah. Can we make this episode actually about Adobe? Sure. This right. is Adobe Audition in Chicagoland. Yeah, right. It's a really good program. Uh, yeah, all of them are. I'm a I'm an Adobe Creative Cloud subscriber. I really enjoy As am all I. of them. Yeah, no, it's... You ever use Premiere? I use a little bit of Premiere. It's, it's fantastic. I have edited... Intuitive. I have filmed and edited a film <laughs> once in my life. Yep. You know, I'm, I'm sitting next to an actual... An actual filmmaker, so sure. we won't talk about it very much. That's okay. I would love to hear your experience. But, uh, it it really was a lot of fun. Yeah. But it was also incredibly exhausting. Yep. Sounds yeah. Sounds sounds right. I was making a five minute documentary, mm-hmm. and because I was attempting to do it the real way, it was for a class. Sure. Yeah. I had I already had the A in the class wrapped up, but sure. I was really interested in this idea of making a film. Mm-hmm. So I did it on... What class was it for? It was for documentary filmmaking. Gotcha. With, uh, I forget the professor's name just off the top of my head at the moment, but I did it on Rock the Clock, the, mm-hmm. uh, the Radio DePaul Marathon. You were actually there. You're in the film. Yeah. A couple of times. I think you wave at me. Sure, I'm sure I do. Yep. <laughs> and I wanted to do it the right way. You know, I saw a lot of the other projects coming together with like a lot of graphics a lot of taking uh stock footage mm-hmm. from elsewhere because yeah. it was some sort of a, a a documentary about a current event something happening sure presently so a lot of people did the montage yeah you know of like yeah. it's donald trump saying windmills you know record lakes mm-hmm. you know and, okay. and then making a, a statement about like the current yeah effortness of of everything and i yeah. I wanted to make a film where I shot every frame of the film mm-hmm. and you know, used the camera. I had a lot of fun, but then editing it together made me realize that I should have had a plan yeah. for the film before yeah. I yep. before I just dumped probably about three hours worth of footage yeah. into Premiere and started trying to mash it together. Try, try to make the story out of... Yeah. Yeah, no, yeah. it's really make, hard. Make a style. Yeah, that was impossible. Yeah. Documentaries are so difficult because you can't, like... It's it's hard to plan for something. It's hard to plan for reality that's about to exist and you're recording it. Yeah. Um, What do you think of Premiere? This is this is the Creative Cloud in Chicagoland. I, I was... I was already pretty familiar with audition by that point sure. because I'd been you know, concentration on mm-hmm. like audio and engineering in in my college classes, so I yeah. used it quite a bit. I was already recording a little bit of music on it, so Premiere working the way it did, I feel I felt like I scratched the surface of it. Yeah, I got way too attracted to the bells and whistles of it. Yeah, a ton of them. Mm-hmm. And so I was I was doing a lot of really dumb stuff in sure. in my early cuts of the film because I was so in love. 
with all the various ways you could get one shot to another shot. Yeah, you can do anything you want. Yeah, I was making I was making a lot of unnecessary choices and I think I think Premiere is is so good because we had a real filmmaker in that class. Yeah. And uh this guy named Ferris who brought his own equipment mm-hmm. and also worked in Premiere and put everything together and you know, so he's taking like an an awesome digital camera mm-hmm. and his ability to do that and filming with his own sound equipment and his own cameras and his own eye and his own experience, he put together something that you could have aired on PBS. Sure. Had the, yeah, had it been, I'm not going to drag Ferris on this podcast. So he could have put together something you could have aired on PBS. Yeah. If they'd asked him to, if they had asked him to exactly. Um, I put together something that got me a grade. Yeah, yeah. And looking at the difference between what I did and what he did. Yours was a sketch. Yeah. His was a film. Yeah, it's, it's, and no, that's too... the discoverable sort of things Yeah, within Premiere. And I think everything with Adobe has that same thing. Because I use Photoshop a little bit. Yeah, absolutely. In an incredibly rudimentary way, just yeah. to edit some uh, advertising graphics for the companies that I work for as video stuff. Mm-hmm. There are layers to all of these programs that I might never reach, but even on the basic stuff, it, it makes such a a presentable product. Yeah, <clears throat> I I found that like I very recently for the first time was doing a edited podcast, a podcast where I went in and cut things up and used different takes. That's max of effort. And yeah, no, a lot of effort. And did sound design and stuff like that and put music in and faded it and transition. And it was it was something I realized like, oh, this is a lot of the same controls that carry over from yep. Premiere Pro. And like when I'm working in Premiere and doing visual stuff, like a lot of those controls and things work the same way on Photoshop. And Photoshop works very similar to Lightroom. And so and InDesign and After Effects all work very similar to premiere and stuff like that so it's it's something i've noticed that as i've gone to each one i feel like i've gotten better at every single program altogether as i've i've used and learned from them all well there there are various sets of motions that you learn not yeah. motions in, in like you don't wave your arm a certain way but you you learn to look like hey, if i can do this to an image yeah i can do this to to a sound i can do yeah. this to a video i bet it's in there in the same way yeah and you also learn that everything is customizable. Yeah. Yeah. My my audition, t- you know, dashboard. Yeah. Your here workspace. is my workspace is pretty much default. Yeah. But if I'm going to be recording music, I kind of have a different one that yep. opens up, and it gives me a different set of of options. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you ju- yeah, you just start learning that like. Yeah, at Photoshop was the same way. Like I was having the the hardest time doing the most basic stuff in Photoshop because I was using a workspace that was explicitly not for what I was trying to do. Yeah, it was for like photo retouching, and so I was using absolutely nothing that was on the screen, but delving into menus trying to find the stuff I wanted. Flip that around, and all of a sudden, it, it flies just by. immediately. Yeah, it flies by. Yeah, totally. I, I, I think I have four or five different workspaces for Premiere Pro based on like what I'm doing that day, what I'm what part of the post production stage I'm in. Different workspaces for everything. 
I, I couldn't be happier with the Adobe stuff. Using it for music is a bit different because yeah. you're not going to find a lot of help. Sure. Because it is not a popular music recording I, software. I, I was going to say I'd never heard of using like Audition for music. Yeah. I mean, I use it for music because I have it. Yeah, that's what I figured. Yeah, I, I, I have it. I pay for it. It's, it's, a, it's a good program that I use professionally for just every darn thing I do. Yeah. Pretty much. So why not use it for that? It has... It has the stuff you need to record music. It has a very good effects rack mm-hmm. where you can you, know, you can do all the stuff you need to tracks. Like it has a good and wide ranging list of compressors and mm-hmm. EQ and reverb options. You can do what you want to make the stuff you put in sound good. It has a a metronome to it where you can you know have have time. You can customize that really well. There's a lot of stuff in it, but yet it's not. It's not GarageBand. It's not Pro Tools. Yeah, Pro, well, Pro Tools was like twenty five hundred dollars. Yes, it's like crazy. <laughs> I do not. I love. I, I love the kind of money. I love Pro Tools. Um, I hate how expensive you are, Mister Pro Tools, Mister Avid Media, Mister Pro Tools. Listen, <laughs> Mister Tools, Mister Tools, <laughs> Mister Tools. Listen to me. Yeah. If you ever want to have an episode on Cheeseheads in Chicagoland dedicated to your yeah. namesake, Mister yeah. Tools, you got to lower that yeah. damn price. John Tools. Mr. Tools. Mr. John Tools. The pro. Uh, the pro. Completely. Uh, I'm not going to stay on this for very long, but are you, are you familiar with the person of John McAfee? Is, is that the man of, of McAfee security fame? Yes. <laughs> yes, sorry, it is. Fred. Oh, I didn't mean to the spook cat. you. I didn't mean to spook you, buddy. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry. Uh, uh, John McAfee, of course, is the, the titular head of McAfee security software. He is a absolute madman. <laughs> and, uh, I just I remember something very funny that he said about his own software, but I don't remember any of the and words. not like. <laughs> and he's not a madman. And this is why I don't want to dwell on it because he's not a madman in like sort of a fun way. Sure, he's a madman in a way of like, like there are you know there may be you know there. There might be deaths involved with this man. He's like a hardcore drug addict. Oh my god! And just like a complete maniac, and he's been very. I think the thing that like makes him sort of gives him any sort of media attention outside of like just people being appalled at him is that he's rather funny and incredibly public about being a complete and utter maniac. Yeah. No. Here's his latest tweet. Jesus came for me today. I feared I would have no opportunity to say goodbye, but he was only bringing tidings of our dope deals gone sour, yet still seemed retrievable. We saved every one. Yeah. I don't know what that means. I don't know what that means either, but yeah, John McAfee is an absolute crazy person um, who who got a, a lot of money for for a making, bad security yeah, software. Yeah, for, 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 a for some terrible program, program. Yeah, for a program that my mom doesn't know how to use. So there, there you have it. That's a... Uh, that's McAfee in Chicago land. Uh, let's see. Um, that was not an ad. We were not paid nope. at all. That was purely out of the joy of our hearts. Love you, Adobe. Yeah, yeah. Go, go for it, Adobe. Uh, the Milwaukee Brewers, incredible start. Yeah. If I can, if I can switch gears. Sure. Um, of course, right now, yeah, they've had series against a couple of division foes. Mm-hmm. They've played the Cardinals. They've played the Reds. Yeah. They did Reds definitely fan, strong suits. Yeah. Definitely a really good team there in this Well, the Cardinals yeah. are expected to be decent this yeah, year. Bad. New manager. They got rid of Mike Matheny, who 
uh, expended every ounce of goodwill that he had at being like one of the league's most consistently great defensive catchers mm-hmm. for a very long time into being an insufferable manager. Yep. And got himself fired out of St. Louis, which is really hard to do. Um, and taking care of them is important. The Cubs are coming up. The Cubs are coming off a really slow start. They can't seem to play defense right now, it's, and their bullpen can't throw a scoreless inning at the moment. Yeah. Um, I just want to, just for anyone out there who's like a Cubs fan checking out this podcast, like, your panic is amusing. Yeah, oh my God. I'm enjoying it. My Cubs Twitter's been blowing up. Oh, just, it's... I want to I want to destroy Twitter. Three innings into game one, everyone is just like, boom. It's over. It's over. End the year. The year's done. year's finished. We're done. Yep. Um, That is not how it works in baseball. I don't know if you've... It's 162 games. (laughs) Yeah. Nothing matters until, like, game 81. Then we can be like, all right, there's the issues now. Well, and you're you're right in in at least of the fact that if everything pans out the way we think it will, in which I expect the Cubs to rip off something in the in the vicinity of a fifteen to twenty game win streak. Yeah, this season yeah. they are built to win. Yeah, they're good. They're very very good. They're built to score like seven to eight runs a game, mm-hmm. and just just rip opposing pitchers apart. The fact that they're playing like total garbage right now is amusing. Yeah. But I fully expect them to be in it. Also, April fourth. <laughs> mm-hmm. But if if things continue the way they are, these early games, like the Cubs coming out of the gate playing as if they're still half asleep, this could matter down the stretch. It mattered. Yeah. It mattered last year. Yeah. Certainly towards the end, where all of a sudden the Cubs couldn't get a hit, and the Brewers just climbed right back at them. Snuck right past. Yeah, just by continuing their consistent play. The what I like about the Brewers' start is that, yeah, it's kind of de- been dependent on the fact that they're getting good pitching from guys who are unproven mm-hmm. and who, you know, you know, I don't think I don't think Woodruff is going to keep on being being as good as he has been throughout the season. His ERA is going to climb up towards five. A lot of these guys are, mm-hmm. but they're getting good at bats. Yeah, and they're working counts. They're trying to get ahead of pitching. And that bodes well for because even in bad stretches, they're going to be in position to win games. Yeah, if you can play smart and mm-hmm. work work counts, like you'll find a way to score runs. Yeah, yeah, you'll find your way on base. You'll find a way to score runs. That's that's what's been encouraging about like because you can look at the Brewers and be like, yeah, there's going to be a, regress- a regression to the mean. Especially they're going to be without Nabel all yeah. all season. Uh, yeah, that means haters most likely the closer. Mm-hmm. They're probably going to be buyers on the on the trade market yeah but the way they work the plate net bats and the way they have a lineup of calm hitters mm-hmm. is so impressive christian yelich has probably the best swing i've ever seen yeah i i, I thought chris i thought chris davis might have had that hey. in in baltimore hey 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 i don't want to i don't want to talk about chris did davis. chris davis hurt you in a special way Chris Davis going back to last year. I guess I haven't checked the box score today. Uh, Orioles lost to the Yankees eight to four. I'm an Orioles fan. Oh, okay. Um, Chris Davis over his last thirty four going back to last year with twenty two strikeouts. Yeah, yeah. He was he 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 for a few years. You're absolutely right. It was a thing of beauty to watch. His swing just made me so happy. Just made me so happy for a few years, like in 2012 yeah. to like 2014. Just a a beautiful a beautiful man. What's the origin story of you being an Orioles fan? I, when I was 
a sixth or seventh grader, I went to a baseball camp in Aberdeen, Maryland. I'm from Aberdeen, South Dakota. Um, so I traveled a long way just to end up in Aberdeen. Um, and met Cal Ripken Jr. Oh, that'll do it. Um, that'll do it. He was also, Cal Ripken Jr. was also born in my hometown, Aberdeen, South Dakota. Oh, there you go. Uh, and because his father was the manager of the Orioles, I believe it was triple A team, but it might have been double or single A in like the 50s, like way back when. Uh, my hometown had a Orioles affiliate minor league baseball team. There you have it. That makes so, perfect sense. There's kind of some small connections there. I just was like, well, I hate the Twins, so let's be an <laughs> Orioles fan. Uh, yeah, I guess I didn't think about it that way. Of like, if you grow up in South Dakota, yeah, who are you going to root for? It, yeah, it's the tw- it's the 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 Twins. The Colorado Rockies? No, well, that's too. F- I okay, mean, if you're on far? the if you're on the west side, yeah, it's the Rockies. I was I grew up on the east side, pretty close to the Minnesota. Uh, a few hours from the Minnesota border. Um, so it's kind of like twins or choose your own adventure. Um, I, chose, <laughs> I chose the Orioles, which has at times been fun. Has at sure. times in, in 2012, 2013, when Machado got called up, they made the playoffs for the first time in a decade. I was there. It was a lot of fun. I got to go to a game uh, down the stretch, Manny Machado's rookie season, and see that. But uh, really besides that, it's just been disappointment. Yeah, just yeah. constant disappointment. Oh, the Orioles are really bad. Yeah, no, they're horrible. They are. I'm actually not cheering for the Orioles this year. I'm cheering for the Norfolk Tides, their AAA team, uh, which today is is Norfolk Tides opening day. So uh, April fourth, everyone, uh, go cheer on the Norfolk Tides. Awesome today in Norfolk. Um, let's see if they've played yet. If they're one, uh, they've not. There's no score yet. Cal Ripken Jr. also my brother-in-law Amy's little brother's favorite player. Yeah. And you know, by by, by little brother, he is, you know, thirty six now. Sure. He always he'll always be in that role though, the little brother role. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It's like all of our, you know, I say like little brother, little sister about people who are yeah. like getting towards forty, like me. Um, yeah, I, I like that Cal Ripken Jr. transcends things. Yeah, like because yeah, you know, you're you are a young man. I am you know, n- nearly two decades younger than me, and mm-hmm. and like people, and like. Cal Ripken can still be like a hero to you, I just the same way that he's like, you know, a lot of people of my generation's favorite baseball player, along with yeah. like Ken Griffey Jr. And oh, he's also Ken like Griffey. my boss's favorite baseball player. Yeah, and my boss is like sixty four. Yeah, he 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 was just like so consistent, and uh-huh. so he was he was able to play shortstop and third base as he kind of aged out, and and was able to be there every time. He was someone you could count on every day. And I think that consistency and that stability is something that, that resonates with a lot of people. Ichiro. Kind of Ichiro. Yeah, is... Ichiro as well. Um, Norfolk Tides update as we're recording. Okay, good. First pitch, baby. It's top top yeah. of the first. Uh, DJ Stewart's at the bat. He's a, a a chunky power hitter in the Orioles farm system. I think we're going to see him in the pros this year. He's, he's a big-time power hitter. I like him a lot. Like more um, Sandoval or more Schwarber? Uh Think Schwarber, but like short as hell. I think DJ Stewart's like five foot ten, but as large as Schwarber. Man, they say he's six foot two thirty. I think he's more like okay. five ten, two fifty. He's a big boy who hits the ball long ways. Yeah, we're gonna we're gonna understand Ichiro's legacy better oh in the God. next like three or four years yeah. as as we start to actually realize because we just took him for granted for like twenty years. A man who essentially had most of a career in Japan and yeah. then came to the major leagues and had two more careers. <laughs> it's 
unbelievable. It's insane. Yeah, baseball's really good. Um, Adobe products are very, very good. Starting off with a lot of good things today. Yeah. Do you have any bad things to talk about? Uh, the Alliance of American Football. That's a bad. Thing. That's a bad yeah, thing. No, that's a bad. Thing. We had a uh, we had a brief and torrid affair. Yeah. With the, oh, with I got the hot, I got hot and heavy yeah. with the AAF yeah, for you a did. few weeks. I and and hey, look, I watch. I ended, I was still watching some of the games until like pretty recently. Like Johnny Manziel got into the league. I was watching that shit. But <laughs> that was must watch television, and uh, uh, it's no no more. It is no more, and they folded with. I believe two weeks left in the regular season. Yeah, was, and a four-week playoff. Yeah. still to go. Of course, players get absolutely nothing they except to, for eviction notices. I'm sure a lot of guys they had to buy their tickets home. Yep, I'm sure a lot of guys are going to come out of the their AAF experience in the red. Yeah, from it, like having lost significant amounts of money. Yeah, having quit jobs, mm-hmm. ended careers to yep. try and make a run. Yeah. Yep, and a lot of this story was really kind of truly a matter of this billionaire Dundon mm-hmm. who came in in week two to get a controlling stake in the AAF along with yeah. Napoleon and Eversol. Uh, Dundon, a guy that you haven't heard of outside of the fact that he owns the Carolina Hurricanes, pardon me, which is an NHL team that no one cares about Yeah, in a state that doesn't like hockey. Yep. So... He comes in with a quarter of a billion dollar investment into the AAF. And now remember, like, we, we, you know, two, two random football guys in yeah. Chicago I were would talking about the AAF. Hesitate to give us the title of football guys. I would say football doofuses. Yeah. <laughs> I'll be a football, football guy. Football goofs. I, they pay me to talk about football on the radio. Yeah, okay. In you America. Can be a football so guy. I, get, I am a football goof. Yeah. Yeah. I, I demand to be a football guy. You can be a football guy. I'm a football goof. Otherwise, I have to send my paychecks back. Um, oh. <laughs> so Dundon comes in and buys a quarter million dollar stake in something that everyone, including football goofs, yeah. were saying was going to take minimum five years to truly establish itself yeah. as a product and possibly at that point be profitable. Dundon comes in knowing this because everyone on earth knows this. Yeah. And pulls the plug with six weeks left to go in their first season because he gained a controlling stake in it. And I'm sure we'll learn more. There's a good write-up on CBS who's had, I think CBS must have had the best access to sources inside the AAF. They were the only channel that could air AAF. Yeah. They had the... I think they were also like involved in it. Mm-hmm. Ben Kirchival is the author of this read that I've gone through here. Uh, the best article I've seen breaking down what happened to them. And from what I can tell, it's really a matter of just impatience. Uh, sure. A guy who took over control of it. And, you know, we talked about the AAF being a petri dish for software to enable real-time situational gambling yeah, on a lot of different sports platforms and not just football and the AAF essentially being a league that allows for the situations required to test situational gambling, which it's... So its inception was very cynical. So you'd think, like, well, maybe Dundon just stole that. Yeah, like, like, he, a, he, like a true yeah. venture capitalist. Like a true capitalist just... 
you know, put in his quarter of a billion dollars to sort of undercut from uh, from MGM mm-hmm. this software. But no, the intellectual property of that software does not go to Dundon. It stays in the Ebersol MGM Polian side of this. Yeah. So from what you can tell, there isn't Dundon isn't walking away with anything tangible that he can continue to profit from in this arrangement. He just gave someone a quarter of a billion dollars. And then peace. And then peace. <laughs> so, and it said, ah, no. Yeah, it's uh, technically he's only eating $70 million. The other, the rest of it, the other 18 was, uh, other, other 180, I should say, was yeah. coming down the road. So he decided to not put that in. And you continued to watch the AAF. I watched it in the first two weeks, and then I was like, I'm fine without football, actually. Yeah. And also, I mean, I didn't watch every game in full. I watched, I would say, one to two games a weekend. Yep. There's, Yeah, there's so it was starting to solidify. Yeah. Yeah. It was starting to kind of build a little bit of a fan base, a little bit of consistency. You could tell that the butts and seats were not filling up. Um you know, I, I, I think there really is a need for a development league to the NFL. I, outside of the college game, I think there really needs to be a professional paid development league that's more refined than the practice squads and uh, is paid unlike college football. That was a large part of the actual folding. Part of the impatience was preliminary negotiations with the NFL Players Association yeah. were not yielding anything, mm-hmm. which, um, yeah, of course they weren't. <laughs> yeah, no, duh. You have to be patient. Yeah, like ev- things don't happen yeah. immediately. Yeah, every everything that's being said is, is about how patient people need to be in order to make this work, but it's gone. Rest in peace. Rest in peace. They, Rest in they tried to get out in front of the XFL, which is... Still coming next year. God, I can't wait in, to watch Vince McMahon. In an McMahon. imaginary universe. I can't wait to watch Vince McMahon now eat um, however much money he's just going to try and put into the XFL. It's Trust me, it's all going to go to nothing. Yeah, and that is... Because if there's one man who does not have patience, I have a feeling it's going to be Vince McMahon. It's such a strange thing because... Did you catch... I don't know if you're a, a regular watcher of John Oliver... I used to be. I'm not really anymore. Yeah, neither am I. Not. Sure. I'm. I'm not. I find on the whole, John Oliver show is telling me stuff that I'm already aware of. Yep. And taking longer to do it than he needs to. Yeah. And so that's why it doesn't have a lot of appeal to me. But they recently did one on the world wrestling entertainment thing. Sure. Vince McMahon's company. I still want to call it the World West Wrestling Federation because. That's what it was when I actually cared. What does the E stand for? Entertainment? Entertainment, I believe. They had to change it to WWE because WWF belonged to the World Wildlife Foundation. the one with the panda. (laughs) Yeah, the one with the panda. And they couldn't exist simultaneously. I I know. So that that change happened before I was ever aware of professional wrestling. That change happened after I'd stopped giving a shit. Sure. So we are in kind of, that's kind of in a black zone for both of us. Um, But I remember, like, reading about the WWF or people mentioning the WWF and me being like, what are you talking about? They, the Panda Company does not do wrestling. <laughs> it is not a thing. You're talking about the WWE. They make the pandas wrestle. They don't make the pandas. That's why they're in danger. 
creature. Uh, that's inhumane. Uh, I just, I don't know. I mean, even what Oliver went over in the, the episode was essentially a retread of what people who watch wrestling have known for a long time is that it's fake. Uh, well, yeah, it's fake. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, it's also crazy. That, like that Vin, Vince McMahon like maintains and and his business is set up around the idea that wrestlers are independent contractors and not employees. And essentially, he has one of the absolute like worst records on like workplace safety and employee treatment of anyone at his level of of business sure. and, and notoriety. And just the idea that's gonna go. Just the idea that, horribly. like, that an actual competitive football league, and not like a non non competitive like uh, the WWF, is essentially Cirque du Soleil. Yeah, uh, the idea that like that is going to work in in a sport that has the current current widespread awareness of both labor issues and health and safety issues that mm-hmm. like contact tackle football does. The idea that you're going to get away with being Vince McMahon in that arena in 2020. No. 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 Because Holy crap. No. You are hard-pressed to find a wrestling fan older than 16 years old who is not deeply conflicted right now. Yeah. Yeah. About their enjoyment of the product. Yeah. And a lot of them who continue on in enjoyment of the product do so in in a in the way that a lot of us who enjoy like morally suspect things in this day and age we don't pay for them. Sure. We just sort of take them in through YouTube. Yeah. Or we take them in in a in a non-paid kind of thing with yeah. the idea that like well if no money from my pocket is reaching the the creators of this who I don't find to be up I don't understanding. Yeah, yeah. Then we're all going to be okay, which uh you know, but that's an ethical question for another podcast. Sure. Sure. And another day as to whether or not that's proper, but that's the, the way that a lot of people are approaching wrestling now it's like acknowledging that it 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 sucks for the people involved with it and it's dangerous and you know Mm -hmm. you can't have this is really the first generation that we've seen of like you know wrestlers dying by the hundreds at this point but somewhere between like 40 and 60 and not living wow yeah not i didn't know that i guess i'm not really up to up on retired deadspin.com has a feature that uh they call dead wrestler of the week whoa and they haven't done it regularly for a while, but, but yeah. Uh, what's re- what's uh, the typical like cause of death? Uh, steroids, head injuries, sure. heart disease, uh, drugs, alcohol. Um, Holy cow! Yeah, yeah. It's it's it oh shortens your lifespan, and the idea that someone with that kind of track record is going to wade into professional football and just like laugh it all off, yeah, <laughs> the way that Holy that McMahon does is uh, is is uh. It's not gonna work. Spurious. Yeah. It's a spurious. Idea. Not gonna. Not gonna it's work. It's not gonna work. Which, that's kind of why the AAF stings me because they were a league, an alternate, an alternate football league unsullied. Yeah. And and by by Vince McMahon's carny bullshit. Yeah. And and making rule changes which often benefited player safety. Dropping the kickoff. Yep. No kickoffs. That the most dangerous playing sport. No mas. No more. We're done with the kickoff. That saves how many concussions a year? How many injuries a year? How many shortened lifespans per year? And so I, I always felt that the AAF was really attempting to do it right. And I have no belief that 
Vince McMahon is going to try and do football right. Nope. I think Vince McMahon is going to try and do football in whatever way will pay out the most. Yeah. Yep. I guess the one thing, if if before we before we take a break, I, the one silver lining about McMahon is that because he is he's not a truly self made man. The fa- his father started the company. Okay. And yeah, you know, so he took over a a family business. God. But like, he's not wasting other people's money when he like just flushes a billion dollars down the toilet randomly on on football leagues or like he's uh, he's really into like the the steroid body so he tried to start like a bodybuilding league at one point back in the, right. uh, the 80s yeah you know, he throws his own money away at things sure and, hey, uh, like and, i'll live with that if yeah. you want to make yourself broke yeah that's i mean fine. you know next to the house size pile of things that suck about him yeah. there's like a pebble size thing of the, that I actually like am not troubled by. At least he throws his own money away yeah. when he does stuff. Uh, let's let's take a break. Uh, when we come back, I want to hit on the the rule changes that the NFL has put into place. There are a few of them worth talking about, and then we've got uh, got a few NFL things to discuss. Well, we'll discuss a little bit of actual NFL sure. football on this podcast. Uh, but first, we'll take a break, mix ourselves up another uh, another energy drink. And uh, we'll be right back on the old Cheeseheads in Chicago. Heads in Chicagoland, best podcast about the Green Bay Packers. I'm Mike Fleischman. That's Matt Pelham-Setter. We are on Twitter at Cheesecagoland. I'm on Twitter at MP Fleischman. He's on Twitter at Mellumsetter. Yeah. Follow us on Facebook. Mm-hmm. I'm, I, I don't. We do this every other week, so I forget about our. I, I forget where we all are because. Yeah, you know, we're we're in the off season very much, but we're on Facebook groups called Cheeseheads in Chicagoland. Mm-hmm. Uh, check us out there. Uh, send us messages. Um, send me money. Yeah, to my no, PayPal that, account, please. That's more important. My Venmo is Matt Melmsetter, so send me <laughs> yeah. a Venmo payment whenever if you ever like. Yeah, check hey out my man. check out my Amazon wish list. Yeah, totally. Check out the wish list. I have a lot of things on my wish list. Sh- shout out anybody that fulfills that. Um, I actually don't maintain a wish list. I will now, now that we've yeah. said this. I will make a fully fleshed out wish list with everything I could ever desire. Um, My favorite thing about Amazon. Send me Bitcoin. Yeah, send send us Bitcoin. Send yeah. us one. The big, look, the Bitcoin market one crashing. Bitcoin. Yeah. I, when I searched up John McAfee for earlier in the show, <laughs> yeah. one of his biggest things yeah, was, I crypto. told you that Bitcoin market is going to fail. Send me your Bitcoin. If you don't, if you don't want them, I'll take them. <laughs> yeah, I, I'll take them off your hands. Yeah, I I can do something with with Bitcoin and by something. Sure. It's really the vaguest thing because I don't know what I'm going to do with it. No idea what Bitcoin's good for. I I, I think one time I saw a Bitcoin ATM in a gas station. <laughs> I thought, what the f- what the hell is this doing? Here? I will donate it to Bit Charity. Um, um, yeah. Here's the thing about Amazon is I share an Amazon account with my wife who works sure. in theater, and so she buys everything from amazon and by everything i mean everything from like saw blades to various glues to paper products to you know small trinkets 
to major purchases to stuff for the house. Mm-hmm. And the thing about Amazon that I really find funny is that one my recommendations page is a nightmare is, i'm sure just an absolute bonkers. nightmare uh, but also if you search and make a big purchase on amazon like my uh my computer came off of amazon my our, our the the big circular saw that we uh that we have downstairs came off of amazon if you buy something major like that and actually like complete the purchase Amazon's like recommended for you page is going to be like, how about another computer? We saw you just bought a computer. Yeah. How about five computers? You want to, we got a, we got a list yeah. of five more that you yep. like. We, we saw that you bought a saw. Do you need a second one? Yeah. Do you want the same saw? Do you want the same saw? <laughs> yeah. It's recommended just for you. Just a bigger size. Like. No. Recommend me accessories. Yeah. To recommend the computer, me please. Things that would go well with you this You know computer. I have the computer. Now, try and sell me a hard drive. Yeah. You idiot. Yeah. <laughs> And you want another saw? No, I don't. I have one. I, I want. Even, I, I want something else. I don't know what the first saw does. I want wood to cut. Yeah. Try and sell me wood. Become a lumberyard. <laughs> NFL rule changes for this season. Uh, the the one that are, the one that people are talking about really is is this one here. Allow as a one year experiment to make the following plays reviewable, subject to coaches' challenges, outside of the final two minutes of each half, and subject to booth review. After the two-minute warning of each half, point one, offensive and defensive pass interference, whether called or not, mm-hmm. scoring plays and turnovers negated by penalties, and any extra point or two-point conversion attempt. The biggest one here is offensive and defensive pass interference. We're going to call this the New Orleans Saints rule. Yeah. Uh, this one, of course, we haven't increased the amount of coaches' challenges. It's the this same is just still another. Two. Yeah, this is just another situation in which you can throw that flag Mm -hmm. not a bad idea i don't think i think Um, i think smart you know if if it wasn't a matter of of limiting the amount it could be done you know you could call both these penalties on every play run from scrimmage yeah i wonder do you have to specify where the where to look like when you throw the review flag and you're like there's pass interference you have to say like it was on this defender who was guarding this wide receiver. Hmm. Look at this, or is it just like there was pass interference on this play? And then you have them look at I'm every single. Yes, it's the first one. Yeah, I would. I would assume so because the the second one would take forever. Yeah. All right. And look at every receiver. <laughs> replay review is flawed in the NFL mm-hmm. because the coach has to initiate it, and. It's it's a double-edged sword in that you have to keep the games from lasting four hours. Yeah. Because they last too damn long already. Yeah. But doing it into where like, okay, you're out of you're out of red flags. Mm-hmm. You know, Andy Reid, there's no more red flags in your pocket. It's just yesterday's chicken. Yeah. That's in there now. Don't reach in there. Um So if you're if the referee makes the worst blown call on earth ever, you can't do anything about it if you've already challenged twice and you're not within the two minute yeah. Warning. Yeah. I've never liked that, but I've come to understand it's sort of like a necessary evil compromise sure. to keep the games from lasting four hours. Mm-hmm. And it, Otherwise, it, yeah. just be constant you'd ne- challenges. Yeah, you'd never, you'd never stop yeah. playing People football. People would be angry all the time saying there's you were wrong. It's, it's not a bad rule change, and 
No, I'm I'm very happy with it. I think another thing another thing that we're gonna lose with the AAF is a proper petri dish for rule change. Yeah. Experiments, you know, the they eliminated the kickoff. That's kind of it worked beautifully. Yeah, where we pick off. It worked it worked beautifully. It didn't really change the the tenor of the game all too much. The Sky Judge, I think, was an idea that needed refinement. Yeah. But was going to come into its own. Yeah. And I, I thought every time I, they used the Sky Judge, I was always like, good. Mm-hmm. It just made it right. It just made it how it should have been if there weren't humans messing up. Yeah. It, it, that kind of thing. That's why. That's where we're going to miss the AAF. Yeah. Is in the way that it was a Petri dish for actual like progressive reforms to the rules of the game. Yeah. I, the other thing that the AAF did that I loved was the elimination of the onside kick. Mm-hmm. So the onside kick, like the percentages of, of, of converting an onside kick over the last four years or something has dropped from like 23% to like 7%. So it's basically impossible. In the AAF, it became like 4th and 15 at the 35-yard line. If you convert it, you get to keep the ball. And it, what it did was it put real players in a position to succeed versus... All right now, Brandon Bostick's yeah, going to go I out there. Yeah, I knew you were going to bring him up. And, it, and instead of that, it's a situation where, oh, okay, Aaron Rodgers is on the field. Aaron Rodgers gets to try and make this play. Pat Mahomes is on the field. Pat Mahomes gets to try and make this play. Actual players that people want to watch make plays are now on the field to make plays instead of it coming down to a kicker and a bunch of guys who don't see the field versus a bunch of guys who don't see the field and, like, one receiver trying to catch the ball. On an onside kick. The other significant rule change and the one that caught my eye is allow officials to disqualify players for flagrant football plays in addition to non-football plays. Meaning that previously, of course, you could only eject a player from the game for something that happened outside of the scope of the play. Yeah. Yeah, there are plenty of things that you could call on a player for a play while play was happening. But now you can also disqualify yeah. players for that. Yeah. And like a, a that's been a long time coming. Yeah, a huge. I mean, it's been in the college game for a while. Mm-hmm. The targeting rule is, yeah. is 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 it's finally instituted in the NFL, which is Vontae's perfect can't take off someone's head and get to continue playing the game because it happened in the scope of the play. It's now, hey man, we told you you can't do that. You you freaking did it. You're gone. <laughs> you don't get to do it again. Ugh. Yeah, that's it's been a long time coming, and it really. It really is necessary because the real dangerous stuff doesn't happen after the play is over. No, it happens during the play. That's, yep. that's why it's why football is the way that it is. Also, blindside blocks are now personal foul fifteen yards. Good anywhere on the field. So good. that's that is now yeah, also no very good. Blocks. Yep. So that those are your major rule changes happening right now. There hasn't been much movement on the free agent market since we last talked. The where was it here? Uh, Jordan Howard got traded off the Bears. This is something that I wanted to bring up. Yeah, they're dummies. Yeah, that's um, my thinking is that my main criticism of the Bears under mm-hmm. Matt Nagy is that Nagy puts the cart before the horse. Sure. In a lot of situations, he really thinks that his scheme is what's winning them games and not the idea that, like, okay, you have – you have the reincarnation of Darren Sproles on your team, for one. You have actual a couple of good wide receivers. You have the single best defensive player in the league yeah. lining up with a defense that was middle of the pack without him. Yeah. That's what wins you games. Like, Matt Nagy's scheme is cool. 
Like it's great. It it's flashy. It has style. And he and he does some crazy. He puts he puts he makes linemen receivers. Madman. Yeah, madman. Never seen that before. Oh geez, the idea that. Oh, this this incredibly reliable running back. Uh, you said third leading rusher overall since 2016. Yep, third uh, yards. Like this this very consistent player. You trade him away for a sixth that might become a fifth, In because he doesn't fit your second year head coach's scheme. As if your second year he's, head. I mean, he, he's still on the rookie I, contract. I have a hard time buying into the idea that. Any coach in the world has a scheme that's more important than productive players. Yeah, absolutely. A scheme is not going to win you a game. Your player's execution of the scheme is going to win you games. And you, as a coach, need to make sure that the scheme is benefiting the players that you have. And what Matt Nagy did, and why Jordan Howard struggled a little bit last year, was that Jordan Howard didn't fit into Matt Nagy's scheme. Well, I'll tell you what. Adjust the scheme for the guy who's third in the NFL and rushing over since 2016, but also and yeah. still struggled last year. A little, adjusted a little bit. I mean, obviously Terry Cohen is someone that you want in the backfield. I want him back there 40% of the snaps. Sure. I, th- I think that might even be a little bit high. Like, I don't think he can handle 40% of the snaps. Well, I, 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 there were so many games yeah. last year where he was only touching the ball like five to eight times. I, mean, I, I like the idea of like Cohen as, as the running back in that like, if you put him in the backfield with Howard. Yeah. You can split him out. You can uh, you can adjust your blitz packages yeah. on it. You can send him in motion across the field. Like do anything. It's not like you have four wide receivers that you really desperately need to have on the field at yeah. all times. He's just a, a guy who added so much to your to your thing. I just yeah the idea that and you let Howard go in the off season when he's kind of at his lowest point yeah. of like coming off a season where. No one in Chicago seemed to want to use him, and and he was just they tanked his trade value and then traded him. Yeah, for where, basically like, nothing. If you get two weeks into this season or two weeks into the preseason, yeah, that's going to start. There are going to be a few teams that thought they had good running backs. Those running backs are going to disappear. Yeah, they're either going to not perform well or get hurt because that's the life yeah. of running back. And now Jordan Howard's value has shot up. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What the heck? What, what? Why not hold on? It, yeah. it, is that is? It's not like Jordan Howard. Your was, scheme isn't more. Your scheme and that roster spot are not more important than, than yeah. that. It, and, it's a silly move. And like, who's there? Who's getting every carry now next year? I, is yeah. I mean, I mean three. You, like you were saying, they have three draft picks. Yeah, I think it's it's three or four draft picks. I think only one in the top one hundred. This this pick that they got for Jordan Howard is is twenty twenty. It's not twenty nineteen, so it will not be in this year. It's next year. Um, like, is it Mizell? Is it Cunningham's gone? Like, is it Mizell? Is it Mike Davis? Is it? They don't have anybody that's going to step up and take the majority of carries in Jordan Howard's role. And so, I guess the idea is that Mitch Trubisky is going to be good enough where you can throw the ball at almost every play. Which I'll tell you what, he's not. And I'll also tell you what, it's not a winning game plan. Yeah, yeah. That's, this one was interesting because, to me, Jordan Howard is like your perfect safety valve running back. Of like, yeah. Like, I, don't just, I just don't know what kind of scheme you're running that doesn't include like the ability to hand it to a guy up the middle. And, and get f- four yards. Yeah. <laughs> and, and average somewhere in the realm of 3-7. Three, three, yeah, three. It, yeah, it, last, like even when he's bad, that's what he's averaging? Last year, I mean, we talk about a bad year for Jordan Howard. 
935 yards, 3.7 average per carry, nine touchdowns, 20 receptions. Oh, clearly this guy's awful. I mean, that's a decent, that's a good year. It's not a superstar, but if if the idea is that this scheme is now about how well this team passes the ball and this team's attack through Mitch Trubisky, you shouldn't need a dynamite running back who's going to go out and get you seven yards a carry. Like, Jordan Howard averaged five yards a carry, yards per attempt his rookie year, which is great. Man, I, I don't know. It just doesn't make any sense to me. I mean, he, he, he didn't really fumble the ball. He fumbled the ball twice last year. He fumbled the ball once two years ago. It, it's not like he had a fumbling problem. It's it's I, it's just silly to me. It just really doesn't make any sense. Speaking of silly, look at my transition. Sure. Uh, big interview with uh, with Mike McCarthy. Oh, very silly. Got published. Goofy. A, this, this is a silly man, yeah. Mike McCarthy, who has... His conduct post being fired mm-hmm. has borne out that firing in every way possible. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, McCarthy, of course, was dismissed after the Packers lost at home to the worst team in the NFL. Yeah, the Arizona and, Cardinals. And what I speculated at the time was probably the worst team that the NFL has seen in the last three seasons. Just atrocious. This, the 2018 Arizona <laughs> Cardinals. Lost at home to the Cardinals. And what happened to him that made him so unhappy was how the firing was handled. And I'm going to quote McCarthy here. When I was told Mark Murphy wanted to see me, the messenger was cold and the energy was bad. Mark said it was an ugly loss and it was time to make a change. There was no emotion to it. That was hard. That exit, frankly, the exit really stuck with me. It was hard to swallow. Well, I I mean, my first question is like, is Mark Murphy supposed to be like, emotional about is he it? supposed to be is happy? He supposed to leave the door open like this isn't a this isn't a breakup like you're not gonna like continue this down the road or something like this is hey mike you lost to the cardinals you're done bro. yeah you you can't lose to a team that was two and nine at the time that's unacceptable yeah. you're you're fired yep yeah you're, please leave please empty out your locker if you want to say goodbye to the players you can do that next week you're please leave and it was a matter of a matter of things trending downward for a long time, and every everyone on earth looking at the Packers mm-hmm. could tell that things were wrong and that this was going to happen. Yeah. Oh, totally. You know, it, it it became, and people like me who would, like when this podcast started, I defended McCarthy in a lot of ways. Yeah. And you know, it, it. I think I think what the podcast did, which is make me look very hard at every minute of every Packer game except yeah. for that one that I didn't watch and instead got drunk on the podcast for. Yeah, sure. Uh, fine. Yeah, that was awesome. That was fun, uh, yeah. That was a good episode. Good time with but that. But the, uh, yeah, it made, me, it made me look at 60 minutes of Packer games throughout an entire season and the preseason, Yeah, and then some things really caught up to me. Yeah, became clear. Yeah, became really clear that, like, oh, this this can't continue. It's it's a bad offense, and you're not getting what you want out of your players. And yeah, people people don't seem to care. And that's the other thing that made Mike so darn angry is uh, Murphy revealed that a players' council, which the team compiled to help in- provide input on the new coach, communicated a feeling of complacency that they mm-hmm. wanted to change. They wanted the new coach to come in and remove a sense of complacency yeah. that had spread around the team and. That also makes Mike McCarthy angry. He says, when you throw out words like complacency and accountability, that bothered me. That's not accurate. 
And, you know, one of the things that, I think one of the things that's going to stick with me from my my time in undergrad as sure. a 36-year-old is learning learning a, just a really basic lesson that, like, it seems simple on its surface until you interrogate it a little bit more and you find a lot of depth in it. And that is, like, this concept of when people tell you what their lived experience is, believe them. Yeah. It's a simple concept. Yeah, easy. But you see McCarthy here violating that that concept in a big way of like when a bunch of grown men yeah. who like have committed themselves to the point where they can play professional football in in one of the most like rarefied airs available. Yeah. To you like they are players on active 53 man rosters and an NFL team who are selected for a player's council. Mm -hmm. This means that they are not even just guys that made the roster. They're guys special enough and talented enough that the Uh franchise and organization are going, you are our future. What did you find wrong in the last administration, in the last coaching staff, and what do we need to fix going forward? And they say there was a sense of complacency and accountability pushed down from the coaching staff. Hey, maybe they know what they're talking about. Maybe, maybe, maybe you, the coach, oh man, are wrong. Maybe you, the coach, didn't realize that this was happening. Yeah, or you, the coach, were complacent. <laughs> that might that might be the case. Yeah, I just I think a lot of what we sensed from McCarthy is that he didn't really care who was on his team. He didn't really care about what players could do to be successful. He mm-hmm. just cared about like instituting the things that made the team successful five years ago, six years ago in the past and expected, expected the same old stuff to continue working. That, I mean, that is complacency. That's That's what complacency is. Exactly. The definition of, and you know, it, it, that sort of quote and that reaction to the players council, that's, that is exactly why you get, that's how you get fired. Yeah. (laughs) That is, that is that. And that shows you, precisely why he needed to get fired and that like like the most respected players on the team yeah who i guarantee you undersold it because oh, they knew yeah. that their comments on this were going to become at least you know on background yeah for stories like this yeah yeah they know it's coming out they know their words are going to find their way into print they undersold it yeah because you don't just put like you don't just put the the real tea out there yeah no you 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 sanitize it for public consumption a little bit and McCarthy gets word of the undersold sanitized version of what the players council thought and immediately goes like, Oh, they're totally wrong. That's not, that's not true. Yeah. All right. Well, it is. Yeah. Like, I don't know what else you need to, I don't know what else you really need to know. So that's a, that's, that's a, a silly situation right there. And, and it's, it's a, it's a crappy end to a, a, a coach's legacy, of course, McCarthy. I think McCarthy had the exact same attitude towards what was going to happen to him this off season. Mm-hmm. He very much had an attitude of complacency and sort of entitlement. Yeah, in that you know he watched a lot of the old Packers organization move to the Browns. I think he just assumed that he was going to be anointed. Yeah, as the next head coach of the Browns or go somewhere else in the coaching changeup, and no one. He had interviews. He had a lot of them. Yeah. No one really cared. No one bought. Yeah. No one. No one bought. Yeah. And and I I I think with, I mean I I've been from the very beginning of this podcast going back to, 2015 have been calling for Mark, Mike McCarthy to get fired and it, I think a year off might give him a good chance to kind of reset but it, it yeah 
I think it's it's difficult for someone with that kind of entitlement feeling to reset and get back into a hardworking, let's push the limits, let's go back to working hard. To I think the, the interview that they got with him is incredibly good journalism. Yeah. And also, that he might never coach at the head coach level again yeah. because of it. Yeah. I think you know, a, a good journalist gives, you know, a good journalist doesn't dig the hole for you. Yeah. But he does give you the shovel. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, you handed Mike McCarthy a shovel and he was thrilled. Yeah. And he couldn't wait to dig a hole. Yeah. He was excited oh. to dig the hole. Uh, it's, it's really poor. It's disappointing, too. Um, moving on with, with Packers stuff. Packers, of course, are drafting twice in the top 30 at 12 and 30. That continues to kind of be the, the only real Packers story, which yeah. is why we're getting to it last. Last, yeah, <laughs> and it's not important uh, right currently. But Packers are, of course, hosting visits with some folks that are projected in the top thirty. AJ Brown, a wide receiver from Mississippi, mm-hmm. had a had a uh, a pro day inter- interview. They've talked to Andrew Beck, a tight end out of Texas. Jay Sternberger, a tight end out of Texas A and M. Uh, Jeff Smith, the wide receiver out of Boston College. Yeah, He's a later projected pick. Caleb McGarry, an offensive tackle from Washington. Uh, Montez Sweat, a guy that has been pretty popular in Packers draft pro- projections of someone who could go at 12 mm-hmm. out of Mississippi State. A, uh, a good name for an athlete, Montez Great name Sweat. For an athlete. Uh, Randy Ramsey. Ra- Randy Ramsey seems more like a pro wrestler's name. Yeah. Uh, no disrespect to you, Mr. Ramsey. Uh, an edge rusher out of Arkansas. Um, he's expected more to be an undrafted free agent. Mm. But you can see on this list, you know, a lot of tight ends, a lot of wide receivers. Yeah. Which tells tells you a little bit that maybe some of the interior Packers priorities are different from what we expect on the outside, because we've been thinking edge rusher, edge rusher, edge rusher. Yeah. At at twelve all the way. Yeah. It Mont- might not be the case. Montez Sweat was also uh. In co- in his combine test was revealed to have a heart condition, so I think he's gonna oh dear drop down the boards um, a little bit. But no, a lot of times what we see with like the Packers uh, draft interviews is it's guys they're looking at for like the second or third day is is not necessarily their first round selections, but they're kind of backer more back end selections, their second third rounders. Um, but I I hundred percent agree. I think I think primarily the moves to go to edge in free agency over the last. Can't sneeze here. Bless you. I'm so sorry. But all right. I'm so sorry. Um, I spooked Walter and I forgot to cover my mouth. Shocked. Hey, buddy. Um, wow. Uh, I think I think the the free agency moves to get edge rushers in free agency. Right. Really losing my train of thought here. Um, I think that signaled a move to like going more offense at twelve. Is going mm-hmm. going wide receiver. I think the AJ Brown interviews. It, Points to something is is AJ Brown's a first round talent. DK Metcalf was mocked to us by Kuiper and uh, one of the other ESPN guys, McShay. McShay, I think they're doofuses, but yeah, I, I was I, gonna say Mel Kuiper is an absolute idiot. I think they're both idiots, but I think they're <laughs> onto something. And I, I I said it last episode. I think the I think this signals the DK Metcalf pick for the Packers if he's available at twelve. I think he might go sooner. The the article that I think we both saw from from Acme Packing Company, yeah, a. Uh, an, classic article by i think one of the best packers writers out there evan western yeah 
he's not into DK Metcalf. Yeah. Um, I I don't know too much about DK Metcalf outside of you know your your reporting on him and also what we've talked about. Yeah, on the podcast and also the the small amount of press because I just don't follow college football. I don't, he, he, he don't have the time. He's he's huge. He's huge, he's fast, crazy fast, and he cannot turn. Doesn't turn very well. He, <laughs> what he's great at is the exact. Calvin Johnson was also not great at turning. What DK Metcalf is great at is changing directions without lessening his speed. So it's not mm-hmm. necessarily a breakdown. Chop, chop your feet go in a 90 degree angle like we see Devontae Adams do so much it's much more of a bending of routes and keeping that full speed that literally no one in the NFL can keep up with you at because he ran a 4-3-3 which is ridiculous um, but bending his routes instead of instead of taking hard cuts and, and, and jumping out it's a lot of yeah. kind of these slow bends and making sure that he's in the position and staying in that position yeah I think my question with DK Metcalf and like you know the pictures you see of him, like they make him seem very large. Yeah, no, he and, is very uh, large. He is six foot three, like two thirty, and like one point six percent body yeah, fat. Yeah, he's he's incredibly huge. Uh, he's incredibly fast. I don't care so much. Can he change directions? Yeah, because yeah, there are clearly a bunch of guys on the Packers who make that. Yeah, Jamon Moore is great at changing direction. Jamon Moore is quick as heck. And Devontae Adams has quick as heck. Is yeah, you know, and Adams has been very adamant on Twitter that he's yeah. currently like you know working outside of the offseason Packers program mm-hmm. to expand his his footwork and release packages yeah, in new and exciting tweet. ways. Yeah, those are good tweets. Uh he's very good at Twitter yeah. is Devontae Adams. Uh my question with DK Metcalf is like, all right, so if you can turn every cornerback in the league, mm-hmm. can you catch? Because a lot of concentration drops in college. Yeah. That's he would make some of the most exceptional, crazy catches you've ever seen, and then the next play he'd run a curl and drop the curl because he was already thinking go up, turn up field. Yeah, and so that's something you can adjust for, and you can coach for, and you can change that. It, I mean, the biggest issue with DK Metcalf to me is that there wasn't a lot of production in college. Is 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 his last his senior year was or his his last year was ended with a neck injury, so like he only played like seven games, I think. Um, so there there's not a history of production there. From DK Metcalf, it's not like he had thousand year receiving year after thousand year receiving year after thousand year receiving year. I believe he was a redshirt sophomore who played two years and had like five hundred yards receiving with twenty five catches in one year and had like six hundred yards receiving with twenty five catches the next year. So there's there's not a whole ton of background of him just dominating. It's that every once in a while he will blow by someone and make the most ridiculous catch on a deep fade that you've ever seen. And then the well, next it's play, a, it's an Antetokounmpo kind of. Yes. Pick. Yes. Because, um, do you do you remember the post draft coverage of yes. of Giannis? That was actually the first year they that drafted. I became a Bucks fan. Is is they drafted Giannis and then they drafted Nate Walters, the South Dakota State point guard. And sure. So I became a Bucks fan that year, and it was a painful year to be a Bucks fan. They won twelve games, yeah. fifteen games. They should have stuck with Walters. He's a he was great. Yeah, he's a, I, he's I a thought, good player. He got a, he got a vote for rookie of the year. Yeah, he's a good good he was, basketball. He was player. great. He's over in, he's over dominating in Europe. Yeah. Yeah. He's, he's, yeah. He's, he's, He's very. Talented. He's in that. He's in that zone where you're either going to ap- you're going to be way above where you should be to play in Europe, yep. or just below where you want to be to play in the NBA. I think. Yep. He, I think. Uh, I think he'll be back. Yeah, he's. I think he's 29 already. So I don't know. Yeah, he might. He, he was. He was 25 and he entered the league. He was, yeah, huh? that he was. was a, he was 24, 25. Him. Yeah. But Antetokounmpo, like he was 
That was laughed at. Yeah, ridiculed. That was mocked. Yeah, John Hammond, you're an idiot. What are you doing? Yeah, no one's seen and it tape was, of it this It was guy. mocked on the level of uh, Bruno Caboclo. Yeah, the uh, the the Raptors pick. That, yeah, that was actually a bad. Was draft actually pick. terrible. And yeah, that's if I'm looking at teams who are in a position to really gamble. Yeah, at twelve, like that's that's a gambling spot for the Packers. Yeah, totally. There are some teams above pa- the Packers who could also be in yeah. a gambling mood. Yeah, at I, I somewhere between nine and eleven. Yeah, I don't think DK Metcalf makes it to twelve. If DK Metcalf makes it to twelve, I I think it's a absolute dynamite yeah. pick. You 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 got a guy who loves to throw deep and can throw deep accurately in Aaron Rodgers. You've added to a already pretty strong line with Billy Turner. I I don't think there's any reason you don't take DK Metcalf if he pops up. Is 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 if Ed Oliver's on the board as well? Oh, if Ed Oliver's on the board, you take Ed Oliver. Uh, yeah, yeah. I, if Ed if, Oliver's on the, I, I also I also don't think Ed Oliver's gonna make it out of the top five. I think Ed Oliver's going top five easy. Um. So if yeah, if Ed Oliver makes it, you take Ed Oliver, and you shouldn't even think you should. Brian Gutkunz shouldn't even send a, anyone else up there. There should not be a text. It should be Brian Gutkunz sprinting his ass off up to the stage to say, here's our pick, we got him. Um, if he's off the board, I think it's I think it's Metcalf if he's available. Cool. That's, that's, draft stuff is remains esoteric to me, but yeah, it, some of these things that pop out, like DK Metcalf, just the existence of DK Metcalf kind of yeah, attracted it, my attention because he's one of those guys where like, Plenty of people are football player size. It's like a rarefied position. Yeah. But plenty of people are very large and strong. But then there are guys like Metcalf where it's like, what the? You, yeah, you see, pictures, you see pictures of him in, in the NCAA going like, like have they Photoshopped him? Like, yeah. Have they cut him out? And, this is and, a video game character placed into real life? In. Yeah. Is this a creative player? Yeah. No. It's... Is this like where my one of the dudes that I hung out with in college yeah. made a uh, create a roster on, on Madden, yeah. uh, like Madden, 2001 yeah um of his his favorite star trek and star wars characters sure. um so is this like is this a situation where like he's created Worf? yeah he, as <laughs> as your tight end chewbacca has now entered the game yeah uh yoda was the running back he made the smallest <laughs> possible character <laughs> yeah good yeah so yeah that's i i i i in i've seen a little bit of pushback on Packers blogs and Packers websites and stuff about taking a wide receiver and I'm pretty high on Geronimo Allison but the Green Bay Packers are entering the year with Geronimo Allison as their number two wide receiver and as as good as Geronimo was to begin last year I don't think he's number two material so the the idea is either Marquez Valdez-Scantling takes a massive jump which I don't think is going to happen it, it he was not terrible last year but I didn't really see a lot from Marcus Valdez-Scantling. We didn't really see a ton from EQ. We saw basically nothing of Jamon Moore. So if the idea is that one of those three guys is going to make a leap into the echelon of they can be a number two target, I don't think it's going to happen. I also don't think the one guy that we have who is of maybe that talent is good enough either. And I don't think he's going to make a jump. But I think really what it comes down to is, is DK Metcalf is an athlete who can physically overwhelm everyone on the field. He only needs to run about four routes to do it. Simple. Yeah. Get him. 
you already have a technical receiver. You have several technical you have, receivers. Yeah. I think the idea is, and the idea has been, that when you take these late-round guys in Moore, Scantling, yeah. and EQ. EQ, one of them makes the active roster year two. Yep. Like, that's three draft picks for one wide receiver. Mm-hmm. Like, that's that's kind of your best-case scenario for yeah. anyone in those late rounds. Yeah. Trevor Davis is you know, not one, coming back. One out of three. No. Um, so, that you know, the idea that, like, People, yeah, people who think that the Packers' wide receiver core is not set is set is yeah, are wrong. Are wrong. very yeah. so very 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 wrong. Yeah, because there's there's every everyone is just a complete unanswered question. Can can Geronimo Allison get healthy? Yeah, and come back and be be the same player. Yeah, I, I, the only one we know about is Devontae Adams. He's that's, he's going to be better than he was last year. Yeah, because he, that's how he is every year. Yeah, and that's going to happen until he can't physically do it anymore. Yeah, uh, you know, th- but like. You know, Packers fans who are, who think that Jake Kumaro is going to answer no. a question, he no. hasn't answered sh- shit yet. He hasn't. An- he's done nothing. <laughs> done absolutely nothing. Yeah, yeah. No, he's yeah. done nothing. So I, 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 I very firmly believe that unless Ed Oliver is available at twelve, maybe Devin White is the only other way I see us going defensive at twelve. I, I, I really think the number twelve pick is going to be dedicated to offense, and it's going to be someone that Matt Lafleur dictates. And at thirty, I think I see. A safety. I don't know who yet. I th- I think I see a safety opposite of. Do you him. think any of the tight ends are good enough to go at twelve? No, not me neither. Yeah, I I I think maybe, maybe if the Packers get lucky, Noah Fant at thirty, uh, is an option. Um, Noah Fant at forty four maybe is an option. Um, but, you know, really, I think twelve is going to be a wide receiver. I think twelve is going to be a wide receiver or Ed Oliver. Uh. Yeah, there's just uh, there's a lack of playmaking on this team right now, and yep. it's got to be filled some way. And we, th- this is this team did not fill it in free agency. There's two ways to fill talent gaps: it's the draft and free agency. So didn't do it in free agency. You got to do it now in the draft. Speaking of talent gaps, one of the current gaps in Packers talent was the release of Antonio Morrison. That we we shrugged our shoulders at it like, I guess that guy's gonna remain a question mark. Yeah. And then we find out you clued me into the fact that a week before he was released, uh, <laughs> Mr. Morrison <laughs> caused a disturbance yeah. on an airplane. Yeah, he did. He really did. And uh, had to be removed from the airplane. Yeah. Because of the disturbance he caused. And, uh, you know, you can't, as someone who laughs at the Packers, hear that without immediately thinking of, of our, Trevor Davis. Our favorite man. Our favorite who, boy. Became arrested, yeah, at the Los Angeles court. <laughs> yeah, he became arrested because he <laughs> stumbled into an arrest yeah. somehow <laughs> because he claimed in jest to have a bomb. <laughs> <laughs> Which I'll let you know. Hey, Michael, clue you in yeah. on something. You actually can't. It's <laughs> there's a lot of places you can't make that it's joke. It's wrong to do that. Specifically, you cannot make that joke while you're dropping off your bags. At the oh, airport. it's it's uh, a problem. Yeah. So. Fringe Packers, yeah, making have trouble, yeah, on airplanes, yeah, real serious trouble. You know, there's not a lot of flights that fly into Green Bay, so maybe that has something to do with it. Just unfamiliarity with the airplane, <laughs> just it's uh, it's so at, baffling. Like this idea that like yeah, like pro athletes fly everywhere, everywhere as much or more than just about anyone else. Yeah, really, I've been on like twelve flights in my life. Sure, 
I, I've been on a decent amount, but not as many as Antonio Morrison has. Sure, he's been on so many more. And and you know what I'm thinking is is maybe the amount of flights that Antonio Morrison has been on gave him this god complex where when he walked onto the plane, he, 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 he was able he was to be airline like, god. Yeah, <laughs> he walked onto the plane, and his quote was like, "You can't tell me what to do. You don't own this airplane." Like. <laughs> God, what did he? What, you, you can't tell me what to do. Do you have the exact message they sent you up? Because I quoted his. I I don't. Dang, I'm gonna find it right now. Because he said something just bizarre, just like like like, fuck you. I own this airplane. You don't know this airplane. I do. A week before Antonio Morrison was released, he had to be removed from a plane where he said, "Fuck you. You don't own this plane. I can do whatever I want." So I think the amount of flights Antonio Morrison took gave him this idea that he was airplane god, that he was the king of the private airplane, and when he got onto a public airplane, he still thought that he was the king of the private airplane and was upset that they were not listening to him when he said, wait, we need to make a stop at the McDonald's before we head out. Hold up. Hold up. Yeah, hold up. We got to go through the drive-thru first before we take off. And they were like, no. And he was like, you don't own this airplane. I do. I do whatever I want. And they said, Please leave. Oh. <laughs> and then the Packers said, please leave. <laughs> so, uh, Antonio Morrison, we wish you all the best in your continued uh, continued uh, NFL career, including various attempts to fly on airplanes. <laughs> Good luck. I hope they let you back. I certainly do. Oh. So, uh, yeah, that's that's really silly. Yeah. Dumb. Yeah. I think that's uh, that's a good place to stop. This is going to be a sure. long episode, even after I, I cut a few things out. Yeah. And we didn't really... And yeah, we took a couple weeks off. Yeah. Um, players are reporting next week already. Yeah, a- April 8th. Yep. Yeah. Yep, Matt LaFour gets to run his first team meeting. Everyone's going to come back and uh, and meet the new boss. Yeah. I as, as I understand it, he was allowed to do it um, like now, like April 1. Um, but then they would have to take a week off. So if he... But if he pushed it to April eighth, they were able to go consistently, no, no time off. Yep. So, I think a good decision there, and I, 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 I'm very excited to hear this get started and hear come kind of the rumblings out of the locker room at first. And oh, it's almost football season. Yeah, I like the the whole thing about complacency is that you know if a play, if the if the players say we have to combat complacency, like three years of of McCarthy kind of phoning it in. Yeah has created complacency within players that they are going to discover. Yeah, that they didn't this, realize. This spring. Yeah, yeah, that they didn't realize. And there are going to be troubles. Yeah. You know, this is not This is not going to go 100% smoothly. Yeah. Yeah, this is This is a team that is, is going to, you know, some people are going to be challenged. And I, you know, I'm, not a prog- I'm not a prognosticator. I'm not going to tell you who I think is going to get, sure. you know, get themselves, find themselves challenged or not. I think a, a few of the very likely candidates for that are already not on the team anymore. Yep. So and I, th- I think what we've seen is that, like, Brian Gukunst is on top of getting rid of guys who are not fully committed or were complacent already. We saw a lot of guys who were complacent get yeah. shipped off midseason last year. He is into getting rid of guys. Hello, haha, Clinton Dix. Yeah. Goodbye, haha, Clinton yeah. Dix. <laughs> Guys do find themselves gotten rid of. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, uh, one final, one final note before we go. Jordan Nelson has officially retired from the league. Yep. Just not, not really able to continue. Of course, he blew out his knee at a time in his career where he was already having to transition to being a different kind of player than yeah. he was. He was able to come back from that and be really successful for a short while, but it didn't sustain itself. Nope. 
and so he's going to step away. I don't, I don't anticipate this being like a uh, take a year off and come back no. situation. No way. Yeah, he's he's going to be done. So yeah. it's. I, I I've heard rumblings that he's looking to sign a one day contract to retire a Packer. Um, he also said in an interview that if Aaron Rodgers called him and asked him to come back and play, it would be hard for him to say no. Um, yeah. But I don't expect that to happen at all. Jordy Nelson is not. That if 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 we're looking if this team and 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 the Packers are looking to get away from that era of Aaron Rodgers plays superhero ball, finds one man open twenty yards downfield after ten seconds of scrambling. If we're looking to move past that, bringing Jordy Nelson back is not the way to do that. Nope, <laughs> that's not how you move past not that era. Ah, you do it. Um, so I don't expect him to come back at all, other than one day to retire back. Yeah, I was surprised that hadn't happened already. Actually, yeah. There you have it. Cheeseheads in Chicagoland for this two weeks, man. I do one actually more thing. I have one more thing. Let's it, do it. I want to take it back to that Mike McCarthy interview. I okay. just realized that they uh, Rob Demofsky is ESPN's Packers beat writer who conducted the interview um, and asked Mike McCarthy about his relationship with Aaron Rodgers. McCarthy had nothing bad to say. Sure. So. Just, just one thing that struck struck me yeah. very particularly. Yeah, was, we we did end last last week, kind of complaining about the general tabloid coverage of of Rogers. Yeah, and it's just and, a consistent yeah. thing of of McCarthy being like, "Yeah, you're going to struggle if you're in a relationship with someone for 13 years. You're going to have disagreements, but there was no, sure, like sweeping thing. He was like, Rogers was involved with the scheme. It was not a thing of us hating each other. It was just a thing of sometimes you disagree with someone, especially when they're a world talent." Yeah, and I think, Duh. I think a lot of the bigger picture out, out on the field is that, and something that we said on the podcast is that, like, you know, you lost the separation of those two roles, yeah, in a certain way, and that Aaron Rodgers found himself, he was doing, for my tastes, one hundred percent too much coaching from the post game podium, yeah, and and that sure. that bothered me to no end. That told me about a lack of accountability, yeah in a big way because no one was telling him like, Hey, don't do that. Don't do that. I'll call out the guys. If, if they need calling out, like we'll coach up the guys. Yeah. You know, you're, you know, you have a certain role, like you are afforded quite a bit of leeway as an all world player, yeah. and a first ballot hall of famer. Yeah. But I, I, it was way too much for my, yeah. for my life. Yeah. So I, I'm, I'm looking forward to that changing. I mean, like Rogers is always going to be a, uh, yeah, you know, a a particular personality, but but that's that sort of thing was uh, was to me just another sign, and yeah, that yeah that interview really really is strange. Yeah, all right. Really was. Uh, she says in Chicagoland. Uh, Twitter. She's Chicagoland. I'm at MP Fleischman. He's at Melum Setter. I'm off to do four baseball games in two days. Wow. So a lot of baseball. Yeah. Hope that uh, hope that I still have a voice. I hope so. By the time game two on on Saturday starts. Sure. Because <laughs> I'm not sure that I will. Uh, that's that's going to do it for us. We'll come back, uh, you know, eventually. Sure. I'm sure there'll be a headline or two in another couple of weeks. That we'll want to talk about. Yeah. And once everyone gets together, there are going to be rumors out of training camp, pictures of, like, dudes riding bicycles around. Yeah. Everyone's favorite yep. part. Yep. That's usually my part, putting offensive linemen on small bicycles. Love it. Yeah. It's a good time. Uh, thank you for checking out our very cool podcast. Um Hey, I've never asked people to do this before, but apparently it's very important for the algorithm. If you have listened to this podcast, and I know you do out there because I do see the numbers. Sure. Uh, 
if you listen to it, especially through iTunes, if you could give us a rating or a review, preferably a good one. But I, look, if you podcasts, give us a bad one, yeah, I will also that, not yeah, complain. Podcasts that get ratings get pushed up in the algorithm, and podcasts that get reviews get pushed up even more. Okay. Apparently, is how that works. Okay. So I have, I've never asked, but uh, yeah, if you've if you've been enjoying this podcast, even a, even a review that's just like those two are guys. Yeah, that they're be, human That would be fine. And it's all right. <laughs> yeah, th- this show contains speaking. Yeah. Uh, that, that would... I wish they were drunker on air. Yeah. I, I <laughs> so, agree. So do I. <laughs> yeah, you're right. I agree. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, if you could do that, that'd be great. Uh, thank you so much, though, for... Even if, even if you don't rate and review us, thank you for listening to our podcast. And we will come back in another two weeks. Until that time... Stay cheesy, baby. All right. <laughs>